This programme was first broadcast on Otago Access Radio and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Take a walk on the wild side this April as the inaugural Wild Dunedin Festival celebrates our beautiful and unique landscape, weather and wildlife. Wild Dunedin is a chance for everyone to discover and explore the city's nature from the highlands to the high seas. Wild Dunedin starts on International Earth Day, Friday the 22nd of April, and continues over the weekend, ending on Anzac Day. Visit www.wilddunedin.nz for the full schedule of Wild Dunedin events. Yes, and aren't we looking forward to the Wild Dunedin Festival from Friday this week? Earth Day, of course, uh, right through until Monday. People of all ages are encouraged to take a walk on the wild side, discovering and exploring our city's natural places and some of its special residents as part of the inaugural Wild Dunedin Festival. Uh, on Saturday, Professor Phil Bishop will step out uh, as his alias Professor Frog, along with special guest and frogophile Susie Cato, for an afternoon with the amazing wild frogs of New Zealand at Otago Museum. So we thought we'd take a, a, an opportunity to uh, catch up with uh, Phil Bishop. Thanks for joining us, Phil, for coming in today on the Awesome Morning Show. Um, tell us, where was your interest in amphibians born? <laughs> oh, well, that goes back a very, very long way. Um, so I started to get interested in amphibians when I was about four years old. And just as a child, I kept tadpoles, and I guess I've never, ever stopped. And I've still got tadpoles now, and I, I just really, I'm very passionate about amphibians. So what is it like, I suppose, as a child, it's that transformation from tadpole to frog, which is quite a fascinating thing to behold. I, I think that is one of the big attractions, that you can watch it grow the legs and become a little frog from a sort of a little aquatic swimming organism. Um, but for me, it was probably my love of toads that stimulated my long-time passion for amphibians. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, toads, we don't have too many of them around these parts, do we? No, no, I grew up in the UK and that's where the words toad and frog originated from because in the UK there is only a toad or there is a frog um, and they are very different creatures and I really happen to like toads. So I grew up with toads in my pockets, in my garden, in my bedroom. I just had toads everywhere. It's one thing to have an interest in them. It's another to take it to PhD, D, a PhD level and talk about frog communication, Phil. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting one. Uh, how are New Zealand's frogs in terms of their communication? Uh, they're really interesting, and that's what brought me to New Zealand. Um, growing up in the UK, I really enjoyed working with amphibians. I went on to do a PhD in Africa. And that's one of the amphibian hotspots of the world. And I studied their communication there. And of course, most people know that frogs croak. And uh, what after working on croaking frogs for many years, I thought, well, I wonder how there's a number of species of frogs that don't croak. How do they communicate? And that's what brought me to New Zealand. Because in New Zealand, our native frogs don't make any sound at all unless you chop them in half with a spade. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask, <laughs> what sound then do you get? They get a horrible squeaking noise. It's quite a frightening noise. Um, and this was described to me by a dock worker who was making a track. Right. And that's how they actually discovered the frogs. As they were digging out the track. They heard this horrible screaming, screeching sound. And they looked down and, and found an injured native frog. Well, let's hope that you don't have to repeat that experiment too often in what you're doing. Your own work has seen you at the forefront of the global effort at amphibian conservation. Tell us a little bit about what you're currently involved in as right. far as that goes. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's been quite a transition for me because I was initially trained as a behavioural ecologist. So I was studying the behaviour of amphibians and not for an applied reason, just out of curiosity, trying to work out because they were the first animals to come onto land 
and actually use sound to communicate. So it's a very interesting, it's sort of the basis of our communication as well. So biologically, it's very interesting. But the more and more that I studied these amphibians, the more my colleagues were telling me that their frogs were disappearing, um, their populations had crashed. And so I became a lot more involved in amphibian conservation. And I was quite uh, instrumental in the year of the frog in 2008. And because of my efforts there, I eventually got appointed to two international positions uh, trying to oversee global, <coughs> excuse me, global amphibian conservation. Uh, we're told that uh, frog populations or amphibian populations are, are a barometer for the kind of the health of our planet. Is that true? And 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 you know, have you any reason to feel optimistic at the moment about our amphibian uh, populations? Yes, I mean that's a difficult question, and and there are many species of animals that are that could be likened to barometers of the health of the environment. Frogs certainly are, are very good indicators of the sort of overall environment because they have a very permeable skin then any toxins in the air or in the water or in the soil will immediately go into the frog so they they cross all those boundaries whereas if you were to look at something like butterflies and bees then they would obviously only be telling you about what's happening in the terrestrial environment whereas frogs cross those boundaries they tell you about the whole environment so uh, am i hopeful uh, there are some places that i'm hopeful there are other places that Unfortunately, like Madagascar, um, and, and I visited Madagascar recently to try and help them with their amphibian conservation there, um, I'm not very hopeful about Madagascar. Well, I suppose, Phil, that uh, one of the things that a festival like Wild Dunedin Festival does is it, it brings people into contact with these beasts and perhaps thereby uh, germinates a, a seed of interest that might take on the next... might result in the next generation of Phil Bishops yeah. and I guess that's your hope absolutely I mean it's I'm amazed I, I every year that we run a New Zealand frog week and last year I went up to Christchurch and I met a whole about 200 school kids and I showed them frogs and some of them this was the first time that they'd ever seen a frog which is terrible because they were so fascinated by them yet it's so difficult now to see a frog in New Zealand so at the museum on Saturday I think we worked out we will definitely have seven species of frogs, so it'll be the largest exhibition of frogs ever in New Zealand, um, and we might be able to get another species. I just have to check on the regulations on that one. So you're talking about live? Yes, all live, yes. Yeah. So we'll have live frogs. We'll have two species of native frogs, which I can guarantee you that 99% of the people coming through on Saturday will have never seen a native frog. Uh, most of the frogs that we see around Dunedin are actually introduced frogs from Australia. And some of those are now endangered in Australia. And so those are the ones that we hear at night if we do hear frogs. That's right, yeah. So around Dunedin we would hear the brown tree frog, also known as the whistling tree frog. That's quite a common one on cold, wet nights. And in the summer, if you go out along the peninsula, then you'll be bumping into the southern bell frog, which is a large croaking green frog that people often call a, a bullfrog, but it's actually called a bell frog. Well, you've mentioned Saturday's event. Paint a picture for us of what people can expect uh, at the Otago Museum. Right. Um, it's it's going to be a really exciting time. We've got lots of events going on. We want people to come and tell us where they've seen frogs because we're trying to map the frogs of the Dunedin area. So we'll have um, a, a map on the wall where they can come and stick pins on where they where they've seen their or heard frogs. We'll have uh, live tadpoles in various different stages of development and people can come and try and place them in the right order. Uh, lots of live frogs to look at 
the salamanders and newts, which are also part of the amphibian family. We've got Susie Cato um, doing her amazing things where she'll be telling people about how frogs, native frogs breed, how they croak, how they jump, and things like that. We're showing a couple of movies on frogs. Um, some of my students will be displaying their work where they're working with communities to try and get them to think about um, how we've changed the New Zealand landscape since humans have arrived and what impacts that's had on frogs. We've got the, the team from Orokanui down. Uh, they'll be talking about trapping predators and the role that predators have in, in frog declines. Um, and there'll also be face painting and um, music and frog sounds. And so it'll be a really exciting, fun-filled three hours of fun. Well, you've got Susie Cato there, and we'll be talking to Susie on Friday's show. Um, clearly, uh, in that regard, uh, this event uh, particularly uh, suitable for children. Is it aimed just at children, though? Can anyone head along and enjoy the, uh, the day? Um, I would say a lot of the activities, um, most of the activities will be aimed at children. But, of course, there's a lot of serious scientists there. So if anybody wants to engage us in any other type of conversation, then, of course, we're, we're very happy to do that. And some of the films that we're showing might be more suited for adults. I mean, there's no blood and guts or sex in it, maybe a bit of frog sex, but that's okay. But um, they're sort of geared up more for um, adult audiences and, and helping people understand the plight of amphibians in New Zealand and around the world. Well, and curiosity too, because as you've mentioned, there's probably few New Zealanders who can actually say they've seen a native New Zealand frog. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's quite amazing. And many people will, will contact me and say, oh, I've got native frogs in my garden. They're croaking at night. And I say, well, if they're croaking at night, then they're not native frogs. <laughs> you are involved in this Wild Dunedin Festival. It's the first time round for this festival. Just um, tell us why you've hopped on board and, and what you what your hopes are for Wild Dunedin this year. Right. Uh, Wild Dunedin, it, it, as you say, it's the first time that we've run it. Um, and, you know, we one of the reasons why many of us live in this area is because of our amazing wildlife. And it's, it's sort of a closely guarded secret. It's a bit like the weather down here that many people outside of Dunedin think the weather is terrible and we like them to, to, to keep thinking like that. But we would really like to attract more people to come to Dunedin to see the amazing wildlife that we've got here. And this, this festival is all about celebrating that amazing wildlife. And of course, frogs are part of that. So I, I would like to see it in the future um, grow quite a lot and maybe become an international event where we could bring in speakers from around the world um, to talk about the amazing wildlife that we do have in New Zealand and in Dunedin in particular. I know you're going to be tied up on Saturday, but I guess you've been looking, like we all have, at the very busy Wild Dunedin schedule for um, this coming weekend. Have you got some other events that you're particularly keen to take part in? Um, certainly at Orokanui. I'm very keen on going out to Orokanui for the Nature Watch um, I've, we've have a student society at the university that are organising a nature walk up in the Ross Creek, and it's it's really nice because it's run by students who are going to be telling the people about what they've learnt at university about nature. Um, so some of those events are going to be absolutely amazing. Do check out the Wild Dunedin website, folks, for the full schedule of events for a very busy Wild Dunedin festival getting underway on Friday, the twenty second of April, running right through and including uh, Monday. 
uh, Anzac Day, of course. So uh, a good uh, holiday weekend, plenty of opportunity for you to get out and about with family. So just to remind us again, uh, Phil, uh, the uh, place and time of your frog event on Saturday. Right, so that starts at 2pm in the Hutton Lecture Theatre at the Otago Museum. So it'll be a really good weekend and there's no need for people to travel away this weekend. Stay off the roads, it's much safer and come and join in the Wild Dunedin Festival. And we should say that uh, Saturday's event is a free event too, so uh, you can um, head along there with the kids and have a really wonderful day. And while you're there, check out the rest of the happenings at Otago Museum too. Thanks for joining us, Phil, and all the best for your experience of Wild Dunedin for, uh, for 2016. Great. Thank you, Jeff. This programme was first broadcast on Otago Access Radio and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.